This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. Welcome to the Equity Mate Summer Series, proudly brought to you by Comsec, the home of investing. Over the last 11 episodes, we've been diving into some of the most exciting, interesting, and well-known companies from around the world, and today it is the 12th and final episode. Each episode, we've been unpacking one company with one expert. We've learned about their process and why they like the company. My name is Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you? I'm very good, Bryce. It's sad. Don't cry because it's over. Smile because it happened. That's the that's the <laughs> yeah. sentiment in the yeah. studio this morning. As we get to the final of our summer series episodes, mm. well, now the countdown begins until next, next summer. We've just got to get through a whole year. Oh, we could throw in a winter. Winter series. Yeah. True. Spring. European summer series. Yeah. Maybe we take a break. See if Combank want to come back and sponsor us. Hey, yeah. If, I mean, Combank have 13 international markets if they want to send us to each one. True. To do a, a company from well, each. Well, actually, in the very first say no. episode of this summer series, I asked if you could name a Norwegian stock because Combank do offer access to the Norwegian stock market. Yeah. We might have to go over and investigate what stocks are <laughs> yeah, trading over look, there. Look, I'm not going to research any from Australian land. I'll do the research over there. Fair enough. <laughs> well, before we get to that, let's talk about a US stock that is the topic of conversation today. It is AutoZone. Mm. And the expert that is joining us to talk about it is a returning favorite, Anthony Doyle. He is the head of investment strategy at Firetrail. Now, a huge thank you to Comsec, the home of investing, for partnering up with us for the Equity Mates Summer Series. Often we get frustrated with the lack of access to international markets, particularly when there are so many great opportunities outside of Australia. However, with Comsec, those opportunities are a reality with access to 13 international markets from the US to Norway, Germany, and Japan. Invest in shares on the US market from just $5 USD brokerage. Download the Comsec app today or visit comsec.com.au. Comsec T's and C's and other fees and charges apply. Investing in overseas markets exposes you to additional risk. Now, before we get into it, we need to remind you that while we are licensed, we're not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Any information on this show is for education and entertainment purposes only. Any advice is general. All right, Bryce. Well, before we speak to Anthony Doyle from Firetrail about AutoZone, let's unpack it. Let's get in the zone with AutoZone. <laughs> nice. <laughs> AutoZone is a car parts giant. Yes. Americans love cars. They love trucks. And AutoZone is right in the middle of it. They're the largest retailer of automotive parts and accessories aftermarket automotive parts and accessories in the United States. And what you mean by that is it's not a 
OEM. It's not like a, it's not a Mazda or a Toyota or someone that is making cars. Yes, exactly. are, they, they sell parts yes. aftermarket. Yeah, the because um, like Mazda sell a lot of parts for Mazda cars. Yes, yeah. yeah. They're the equivalent of the um, Here is we go. it Auto Autobahn in Australia? No, that's the road in Germany. No, 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 <laughs> no, no. Autobahn. I don't know, bro. I don't have a car. <laughs> auto, yeah, Autobahn online auto and car parts store or um ret. Retro O'Reilly Retro. Uh, yeah, I can I can picture it in Wagga. It's a massive store. Anyway, there's a let's just say there's equivalents in Australia. Okay, yeah. Repco. Oh, Repco. Yeah. Nice, nice. Repco and Auto and Autobahn. Oh, we are so ready to talk about this company. <laughs> so a little bit of history. Founded in 1979, first opened in Forest City, Arkansas. Now here's a question. So AutoZone is its name now do you think it should have kept its original name auto shack yes i like it you like it, it i can it gives a sort of rundown untrustworthy feel i think auto zone but it also gives a cheap feel like you know you're going to get the cheapest muffler in the game if you go to auto shack i think maybe i don't know when radio shack came along in the u.s but there might have been a bit of Competitive tension there. So it grew really quickly, 194 stores in the first five years. This whole story is just a reminder of how much bigger the US market is than Australia, but we'll get there. In 1987, it changed its name to AutoZone, grew up a little bit, got serious. By then, so within it, that's eight years after it launched, it almost had 500 stores. For context, Coles has about 850 supermarkets and it's been around for a lot more than eight years. It lists uh, in 1991 in the US. And since its 1991 listing, its share price is up 36,000%. Incredible. You were born in 1991, bro. I know. And my portfolio is up 36,000%. If you had invested $100 in AutoZone when you were born. <laughs> It'd be worth a lot. Yeah. Well, since then, Ren, it's grown to 7,140 stores, not just across the United States, which is the primary market, but some stores in Mexico, Puerto Rico, Brazil, and US Virgin Islands. And... Yeah, $45 billion market cap. Now, this is a simple company and that's not said in a pejorative way, but when you're analyzing it as a investment opportunity, it's an auto parts retailer. It is tied to the number of cars on the road in the US, uh, how the US consumer is going, its competitors, because there are a number of, there are a few other auto parts retailers that are big, not quite as big, but they're pretty big. And then it's just a, pretty conventional retail store in terms of what it's paying for goods, what it's selling those goods for, what its costs are, how it's growing all those year over year. And I think that that's most exemplified. If you look at what the company says its future plans are, you could, stores. you could almost put this up against any good retailer globally. Three points. Yeah. More stores higher same store sales, yeah. so sell more in each store, yeah. and then private label. Nice. Okay. And for the, the non-retailers, the benefit of private label, what that means is if I'm selling a steering wheel cover made by Mazda in my store, I can actually go out and make my own steering wheel cover from some other manufacturer and, uh, and slap on the AutoZone brand or create your own brand for it and uh, could be able to control the margins a lot better in that and effectively sell it at a higher profit margin. Yeah. I mean, the deep, dark secret 
of a lot of big retailers with a lot of market power is it's not like they're substituting out the Mazda branded steering wheel cover for a uh, one made in China. It's often that they're, tell the secret. they're going to <laughs> Mazda. Yeah. This isn't a good example because Mazda has a lot of power, but they're going to the manufacturer and saying, we want to do private label and we want you to make it for us. Yes. Rice crackers, nuts. I can think of many labels I in mean, that wine. The best example is SPC, the fruit canning company that grew volume massively on the back of doing private label for Coles and Woolies. But then when I think Woolies and then Coles pulled their private pulled the label pin, they contracts, went out of business. they struggled. Yeah. Different so conversation. anyway, that's private label. <laughs> I think I think to get back to my point is it's a stock standard retailer that you can analyze like a lot of retailers and a lot of retail metrics make sense. Like this business isn't conceptually difficult, but it is just an incredibly good executor. And then the second part of the business is it's an incredibly good financial manager. And we were speaking to an expert investor about AutoZone as we were prepping this and he said, oh, AutoZone, the buyback king. Yes. So we'll ask Anthony about that. But I think, uh, what, did they, what did he say? That they'd bought back almost 90% of the share registry, yeah. shares yeah. on offer uh, in, in their life yeah. lifespan, which is uh, obviously going to provide um, some pretty good returns for the shareholders. For people who just mainly invest in Australia, buybacks are less familiar. They're becoming more and more part of the market, but they're really popular in the US. And the reason they're more popular in the US than in Australia is because we have a certain tax treatment of dividends that the US don't, that's franking credits. Uh, So it's more tax efficient to return profits to shareholders by buying back stock rather than paying dividends. And essentially when a company buys back stock, it buys shares on the open market and then destroy those shares. So every remaining shareholder owns a slightly larger portion of the company. Mm. And that means they're, they have a slightly larger entitlement to the profits and stuff like that. So um, for AutoZone, that if they've bought and destroyed 90% of their shares, that means original shareholders have a lot more of the company Way more. and they've done nothing to get it. Love to see it. Now, before we speak with Anthony, Comsec is the home of investing. And if you want to start small, you can through the ComBank app. You can invest with as little as $50. Consistent, small amounts can add up to meaningful returns. Visit combank.com.au for more. Comsec T's and C's and other fees and charges apply. We'll be right back with Anthony after this short break. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss you're listening to the equity mates summer series 
We're here with Anthony Doyle. Anthony, welcome back to Equity Mates. Cheers, gents. Thanks for having me back. Always a pleasure. Now, to start with, can you tell us what AutoZone does? So AutoZone, very simply, is an auto parts retailer. Now, what's really great about AutoZone is they're the number one auto parts retailer in the United States. They have a market capitalization of around $47 billion, 120,000 employees, and over 7,000 stores. Most of those stores are in the US, but they also have a presence in Mexico and Brazil. Now, AutoZone being the dominant player, the number one player in the US, what's really important is that they have 14 distribution centers in various locations around the US. So they stock the greatest range of product and because of their scale, they can compete very aggressively on price as well. Mm -hmm. Now, um, when we were doing some research on AutoZone, I think the, the, conceptually it's not a difficult company. Like people can understand physical retail. I thought it was funny. I looked at their latest shareholder presentation, 11 slides. I was like, this is a like a simple <laughs> to understand company, but there's some really interesting I guess, financial aspects to it, which we'll get to. I mean, the most interesting financial aspect is since it listed in 1991, it's up 36,000%. Amazing, isn't it? <laughs> Not yeah. going to be upset about that. Amazing, yeah. But before we get into the, uh, you know, the, the financials and the bull and the bear case, let's just talk about how you approach it as an investor. So you come across AutoZone, what are you looking at? What are the metrics that you're looking at to see how the business is performing? How are you analyzing it? Yeah, so we've conducted a deep dive analysis on AutoZone, as you would expect, um, before it's even proposed at our investment committee as an addition to the FireTrailers 3 Global Opportunities portfolio. So that process involves over 200 hours of research. So that involves meeting company management, meeting their competitors, meeting industry experts, talking to clients, talking to customers, and of course, all the necessary financial modeling that you would expect and balance sheet forensic analysis. So after we conduct this 200 hours of research, what we like to do at Firetrail is really get a great understanding of what the earnings profile might be for, for the company for AutoZone and drill down into the one or two or three things that matter for that earnings outlook. And we describe this as what matters. So, I mean, you can make a DCF model, do whatever and say whatever you want it to say, <laughs> but ultimately we want to get a really good handle on what earnings, the earnings trajectory is over the next three to five years. And importantly, where do we differ versus the consensus and where might the consensus be wrong in terms of their expectations for, for growth going forward? Well, what is the earnings profile for this company and like what, what do you expect to see over the next few years from an earnings point of view? Yeah, so as Alec mentioned, the company presentations uh, are pretty simple to digest, probably why we love it so much and why it's <laughs> one of our top holdings. But their management give guidance as to what they expect their earnings growth profile to be. And they say 3 to 5% over the medium term. Now, the market and consensus are at the lower end of that 3 to 5% growth profile. And uh, we're at the upper end. So why are we different to consensus? Well, as we know, not sure if you guys know, but the last few years have been pretty crazy um, <laughs> in terms of the retailing environment with lockdowns and subsequent um, reopening of economies around the world. And the US is no different. 
And so uh, there's a big focus from the consensus on the last clean year of earnings for AutoZone, which was 2017, 2018. And that year, uh, the earnings mix was, um, and the earnings results were, were lower than what we've come to expect from AutoZone. And there's a few reasons for that. One is that it was, there was a low number of cars sold seven years earlier during the GFC, as you would expect, given the decline in the US economy. And that was important for AutoZone as its target addressable market are cars that are seven years or older mm. and that have fallen out of their warranty um, with the OEMs, with the manufacturers. Okay. So there was a lower number of cars coming into their target addressable market, you know, cars that need mechanical repairs. Secondly, in terms of the weather, weather had an impact on miles driven for the auto fleet of the US. Um, so it was unusually a really wet summer. Um, and so there were fewer miles driven. Which is interesting because you'd think people drive more when it <laughs> rains. Yeah. But they holiday less. True, holiday true, less. true. And yeah. I guess maybe these days they work from home more. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, exactly. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. It was, and actually getting the taxi over here, the taxi driver told me <laughs> if it's grey, there's far more traffic on the roads um, in Sydney mm. uh, as people think it's going to rain. rain. So everyone drives yeah. to work. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there was a bit of traffic coming over from Circular <laughs> Kitchen. <laughs> well, we appreciate you making the trip. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, all good. Yeah. So, um, and then we believe that the consensus are underestimating the gains that AutoZone have made in their mix of clients. So traditionally they've been uh, great exposure to the retail consumer, but during COVID they made substantial gains in the commercial market. Um, so mechanics and fleet owners and the like. And we believe the market's underestimating that more resilient mix uh, at the moment. So our forecasts are for more of the upper end of that guidance um, in terms of 4.5% earnings growth. And that's where we differ from consensus. Mm. So that's, a, I, I guess, a key part of the bull case, the investment thesis that you have, which is that you think that it's going to perform better than the market does. What are the other aspects for the bull case for AutoZone? Yeah. So it is all about scale for AutoZone. So they're in replication mode now. They are implementing a business model and a business plan that they've utilized for 30 years. So they aim to grow stores by 200 stores per year um, for the next decade. And what's really interesting is when they open a new store, the return on incremental capital is over 25%. So huge gains from investing capital in opening up new stores. And so they continue to consolidate the market from the small independence. So if you're a mechanic and you need a repair done to a car or you're looking for a part for a car, because AutoZone have the greatest breadth of product, typically you will go there. And they're very well known, a la Bunnings style, for their employees being experts. So they're called AutoZoners. And so the customer experience far surpasses that at which you will get at a small independent style store. So in terms of a mechanic, what matters to a mechanic's business is that they can turn over vehicles quickly and efficiently so that they can do more repairs and subsequently generate higher earnings as a small mechanic. Now, AutoZone, because of their distribution framework, they make four deliveries a day to commercial customers. 
So this mitigates the risk of, say, an Amazon, for example. You can order something online, but it might be the wrong part, and you might not necessarily get that same customer experience that you would from attending an AutoZone store. Now, those four deliveries a day, Fred, our analyst, was actually over in the States at a store, at a distribution center, and they have a red light on the ceiling. After 10 minutes, if the order isn't fulfilled um, within 10 minutes, a red light starts flashing and the store manager goes out and delivers the product to where it needs to go, for example. So um, it's all built on the, the customer experience. It's built on their scale. It's built on the economies of scale that they can deliver. And what's really important is they will actually take stock on consignment before even paying the suppliers of the stock and they warehouse the stock. So they don't actually pay their suppliers of stock until they've sold the product. And the reason they can do that is because of their scale and because of their investment grade credit rating. Um, So essentially there's net negative uh, working capital and it is extremely rare to find a retailer that can operate Mm. in that type of Mm. environment. And that just means more efficient use of stock as well. So I guess one question is that uh, you mentioned 200 stores a year. Mm-hmm. Is yep. that just in the US? Just in the US, yeah. So they, as I mentioned, um, a smaller presence in Brazil and Mexico, but rolling out so 6,300 stores in the US and rolling what? out 200. I, I think like for, <laughs> for, pe- for people in Australia who don't work in retail, they, they might not get a sense of that scale. Coles has about 850 supermarkets across Australia. Woolies is... What a scratch over a thousand. Yeah. So if you're doing two hundred stores a year for ten years, you're doubling Woolworth's footprint just in new stores in the next ten years. Like yes. yeah. the scale in the US is it's just nuts. Nuts. So the market, the the auto parts market grows at one to two percent above the rate of GDP every year. And there's some structural tailwinds behind that. One is the growth in miles driven. The other is the US car fleet is expected to continue to expand. So to put some context around it. We have 25 million people in Australia. The US car fleet is around 300 million vehicles. That kind of makes sense. I would have thought you're about a car a person. Yeah. Like a lot of two car households. and Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, even that's high if you think about you know the proportion of the population that's under yeah. driving yeah. age. It's just like uh, every time you go to America, you're reminded car. how car focused yes. the, the streets are and everything. Like you can't walk anywhere. Yes. It's yeah. sucks. Except for yeah. New York. Yeah. LA. Yeah. Um, So that's so miles driven, the fleet and the fleet is aging. Um, So it's coming right into the sweet spot for those repairs. Mm. Um, And more cyclically at this point in time, there's less new car sales and people are driving their existing cars for longer, given the high rate of interest for, for car loans at the moment as well. And people obviously with an emphasis on cost reduction, they may seek, not me, but they may seek to undertake car repairs themselves. Now, this might be jumping ahead to the bear case, but it feels like the right time to bring it into the conversation when we're talking about the growing number of cars in America. How do you think about car mix? Because the one thing about electric vehicles compared to internal combustion engines is that there's less moving parts in the engine, they break down less, and the thesis is they're going to need less repairs. How do you think about that? How does that factor into your thinking around AutoZone? Yep, Uh, you nailed it. Alec, that's uh, that's the bear case. Um, <laughs> well, I did so, jump ahead. Then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Next question. Uh, you, you're absolutely right in terms of um, some of the, those things you mentioned in terms of less moving parts, less frequent repairs. So, how as an analyst, 
has Fred gone about trying to understand those risks to AutoZone's revenues? Well, he did a bottom-up analysis of AutoZone's product mixed to see which products that they sell and would be impacted by an environment where 100% of the US car fleet were electric vehicles. And what he found was that it would have an impact to AutoZone's revenues of between 20 and 40%. So significant, highly significant. And so it's a 20 to 40% impact on AutoZone's revenues. And what he highlighted was that motor oil, ignition parts, et cetera, would not be required in that world. However, some parts would actually increase in terms of demand because generally electric vehicles are heavier and heavier cars lead to more usage of brake pads, more stress on the the chassis and more stress on suspension. So it would have a a big impact, 20 to 40% revenues and a significant increase in some other of the, the products that they sell. Now, There's also increasing complexity around EVs. So in order to drive energy within an EV, the process is different. Obviously, you're not not burning a fossil fuel. And so in some EVs, they actually each have engines on each wheel. And that engine is the cost of around $1,500. And so they necessarily have have moving parts. So that's in 100% EV world. So the next step that Fred took is right, okay, that would be pretty detrimental to AutoZone's revenues. And, you know, for us, share prices follow earnings. So that would have a big impact, obviously, on the share price. So what is the likelihood of this occurring? And so for us, in conducting that bottom-up analysis, what we found was that there is still a considerable amount of time before that trend towards EVs would have a significant impact on AutoZone. So for example, in 2022, 5% of new vehicle sales in the US were EVs. Joe Biden wants that to be 50% by 2030. And in that scenario, if um, the US were to make that, uh, where 50% of new car sales were were EVs by 2030, AutoZone's uh, market is still growing by 1% per annum in 2032, which is where our, our model finished. Now, is the US likely to reach that 50% level? We think it's unlikely, the reason being a lack of charging infrastructure. The grid can't actually handle that much additional demand, the electricity grid. And of course, in terms of rural America, there's still concerns over range um, Mm. in terms of EVs. So if the 50% isn't met, the target addressable market for AutoZone, and they are taking market share, it will continue to grow until the mid-2040s. And remember our investment thesis, we're looking out three to five years. So again, in terms of what the market may be missing, they may be too punitive on the outlook for AutoZone given the increasing penetration of electric vehicles, but the likelihood of some of those scenarios occurring in our estimations are low. And so AutoZone can continue to replicate the very successful model that they have done over the course of the last 30 years. Yeah. So we, I I know I jumped ahead to the bear case, so that's 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 my bad. But uh, (laughs) I want to go back to the bull case because I I feel like we haven't touched on what's perhaps the most interesting part about AutoZone and it's less about selling car parts and good retailing and it's more about capital management and the financial side of it. 
we were speaking to someone, I can't remember who, and we said we were going to talk about AutoZone and their response was, oh, the buyback king. Yeah. Give us the story and tell us about how they manage their capital. Yeah, I think they've bought back 90% of their shares since listing. And so the share price is up around $2,400, I think, today. And they are just an outstanding business. And management, typically 75% of management have come through the ranks and generally have been there of a very long tenure. So over 15 to 20 years um, in terms of management of AutoZone. And they are extremely disciplined at deploying capital. So as I mentioned, in terms of those 200 stores, there's a 25% return on incremental invested capital. If they can't reach that hurdle, then they won't start the store up. And so margins at the stores are very high in terms of their ability to wear increasing costs, whether that's labor costs, but typically the industry has been very disciplined around passing through higher rates of input costs to the end consumer. So that's where um, there's a, I wouldn't say it's an inflation hedge, but there's some inflation protection built in. Now, if uh, after that uh, investment in new stores and, and rollout of stores, that 200 store rollout, any excess capital is returned to shareholders in the form of share buybacks. And that obviously has an influence and an impact on the direction of share prices over mm. the long term. So Australia, very much income focused, dividend focused. In the US, the types of companies that we like for the S3 Global Opportunities Fund are those companies that have that very strong capital discipline. And typically what we're seeing at the moment is that, and this is more general in nature, but companies that are ex-CAPEX in terms of their investment plans, they stand to perform very well over the course of the next three to five years because if you're trying to get anything built today, it's a lot more expensive than it has been. So anyone that can bring on new supply to the market is likely to win. And the return, the hurdle rates are, are much higher than they have been given the increase in interest rates. So the returns on cash are obviously competition to new investments and where we're engaging with company management, including AutoZone, is if the capital investment, the CapEx doesn't make sense, then return the, the capital to shareholders and often buybacks are the best way to do that. Mm. Buying back 90% of their stock, like ha, is there a limit? To ha- yeah. I, I, like, I, I guess there's not theoretically as no, long as no there's limit, liquidity no. in the market. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, outstanding, really outstanding performance over a long period of time and I think the last five years they've generated a 477% return um, for investors, COVID winner. Mm. And through that, as I said, they've made substantial ground on the commercial space and we expect that that will continue to support earnings growth in the next three to five years. Nice. Far out. Well, Anthony, to close out, we always like asking our experts what the company, if, if the company can execute on 200 stores a year for the next 10 years, it can, I guess, survive any uptick in EVs? What does it look like in 10 years' time? Yeah, so the longer-term plans are roll out 200 stores for the next decade. They want to grow above the industry growth rate of 3 to 4%, and we think they can continue to consolidate and take market share off the independents and grow above that. And they're going to return excess cash to shareholders. And so Plain an and outstanding simple. business in replication mode, nice and simple, 
You're not making assumptions around, you know, weight loss drugs or anything like that. <laughs> True. Uh, and hence why it's a top three position in our fund, in our portfolio today. Less but, pressure but on you, car seats. I was though. about to say. <laughs> less yeah. pressure on yeah, car seats yeah, if yeah. people weigh Maybe less. Better so, fuel economy. Yeah, better yeah, fuel economy. Yeah, yeah. Less wear and tear. Less wear and tear. Yeah, yeah. Suspension yeah. will last. People longer. walking more as well, not needing to just drive full stop because they're feeling better about yes. themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. You guys have better you fact, go back have and you update your models. I'm sure Fred has. I'll come up with an update for you soon. Well, Anthony, thank you for joining us. We always love having you on the show. And until next time. Cheers guys thanks for having me thanks anthony now before we go and for the final time of this summer series we want to say a huge thank you to our summer series partner comsec the home of investing thank you if you're looking for more support and resources to build confidence in the market if you want to carry on the momentum that you've started building with this summer series head to comsec's content hub otherwise you can get zero dollar brokerage on your first 10 trades for australian markets when you join you can get brokerage on US stocks from just five US dollars, and you can invest from as little as $50 through the Combank app. Download the Combank app today or visit combank.com.au. Comsec T's and C's and other fees and charges apply. Investing in overseas markets exposes you to additional risk. Now that brings us to the end of the series, but stick around because next week we're back into regular programming with our bold predictions. And our stocks of the and year for 2024. Oh, here we go. You have been listening to an Equitymates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.